The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Okay, MMA on the Rocks, a very special and unique episode. We're actually broadcasting from the Beer Spot and Grill in Fort Lee, New Jersey. I'm with my buddy Jeff the Animal Wilson, and we're having a little uh, post-training beer here at the Beer Spot. How you feeling, Jeff? Uh, kind of sore. I got my ass kicked pretty bad today. So. Well, that's how you learn. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you definitely earned yourself a beer, right? Uh, most definitely. Okay, so some things we're going to go over today. We'll do a little Olympics talk. We got UFC 202 coming up next week, and we got some fighters, you know, trying to get into the trash talking game, trying to talk their way into or out of fights. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit. Actually, let's start there. So Tyron Woodley knocking out Robbie Lawler a couple of weeks ago, and then Wonder Boy interviewed him on Fox, and he said, you know, when are we going to do this? Let's get it on in November at Madison Square Garden. Pretty much assuming that he's going to get the shot because he's the number one contender. And Woodley was like, oh no, you said you wanted to fight Robbie Lawler. I want to fight Nick Diaz. And now he's saying he wants to fight GSP. Maybe GSP is throwing his name in the hat. He went under some USADA testing. So it looks like he's starting, starting the engines a little bit for a comeback. What do you think? I mean, I'm not, I'm not too aware of what's going on with GSP, but Tyron Woodley, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Because for one thing, yeah, he's the champion, but he's got to be able to defend his title against whoever the UFC, whoever Joe Silva puts in front of him. So I'm a little on the fence about him calling somebody out when he's the champ. He should go up against whoever's number one. Yeah. So actually, on Twitter, at MMA is a MMA news and updates Twitter handle. Uh, they, they asked us to talk about this, and I, I think it's an, interesting, it's an interesting kind of angle that the fighters are taking now because they're realizing that the old model of fighting anybody and whoever the UFC gives me and I want the toughest guys, that's not the most lucrative way to fight. They're seeing guys like Conor McGregor who are calling out guys you know, out of his weight class and you know, calling out professional wrestlers and, and doing all this stuff. And he's making all this money and you know other guys are starting to jump on board with this they're starting to realize like it 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 is an entertainment business so you have to play to the entertainment aspect i mean hardcore fans want to see the best fighters fight each other but the casual fans who are on the fence about whether or not they're going to spend money watching this sport they want to see you know the biggest names so is steven wonderboy thompson the biggest name and, and the point Woodley made was I just knocked out a guy called Ruthless Robbie Lawler why would I go now to fight a guy named Wonderboy <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny yeah yeah it kind of remi- makes you think of Robin the Boy Wonder a little <laughs> bit when you're tr- when you but you want to fight Batman yeah so so I when you put it that way Bill it's kind of hard to argue because like you said you know it's hard to start from the bottom and win one fight at a time and try to get to the top when guys like Conor McGregor have won two or three fights in the UFC and they have skyrocketed. Because remember, Conor McGregor, uh, he's probably the best example, but he has not been in the UFC too long. 
Yeah, he hasn't. And I, I remember talks of Conor McGregor before he came in the UFC, and I remember Dana White saying about him. And uh, if you're hearing the, the music kind of pick up a little bit, that's because we are in a bar, and uh, you know, so there's going to be some background noise here. But I remember Dana White saying about Conor McGregor, he went to Ireland to meet him because he, he heard that you know the guy had some impressive knockouts and some circuits in Ireland. And after talking to him once, he said, if this guy can fight a lick, he's going to be a superstar. And he can. You know, he's talked his way into a title shot, and, you know, he gets in guys' heads, and, and the way he talks uh, is, is beyond what anybody's been able to do in this sport. It, the only one you could probably compare him to is Chael Sonnen, who uh, talked himself into a couple of title shots as well. But, you know, there is that entertainment aspect. So, I mean, if you want to make money, you don't necessarily want to call out the toughest guy because if you're not going to make as much money and you're going to have possibly a tougher fight, not to say that GSP or Nick Diaz are easy fights by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're going to have a tough fight, you want it to be worth it. So I can kind of see both sides of it. You know what? Wonderboy does deserve the title shot. He is the legit number one contender. But at the same time, if you're Tyron Woodley, it's like, why not try to make a couple extra bucks? What do you think? Yeah, no, you're de uh, you definitely hit a nail on that one. Um, it's really hard to build yourself up in a sport like this. Your body can only handle so much damage. You can only take so many fights. So why not make them prolific fights? Why not make them money-maker fights? Yeah, exactly. And Tyrone Woodley is no spring chicken. I mean, he's in his uh, mid-30s. Yeah. And then the guy's had a long career. He's been in some wars. He was you know, NCAA wrestler, Division One at Missouri, I think. Uh, so there's all that wear and tear on his body. So who knows how much this guy has left. I mean, he's looking to market himself and, and set himself up. But, you know, if you're talking about keeping the sport pure and, and doing the right thing for the sport, you've got to give Stephen Wonderboy Thompson the fight. And that's what Dana White said he's going to do. Um, the other side of it, what you have going on now is uh, Eddie Alvarez, the recent lightweight champion, is calling out the winner of Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz and he thinks that neither of these guys are legitimate fighters in his opinion and he's kind of been talking some trash and trying to talk his way into that fight and he's been out on a media tour now Eddie Alvarez is a guy who's been quiet for a little while but with the hardcore fans this is one of the most popular fighters of all time what are your thoughts on Eddie Alvarez calling out the winner of Connor and Nate I think that's a moneymaker for him and like you said um, I think that some casual UFC fans probably won't know who Eddie Alvarez is, but Eddie Alvarez has fought all over the world. He's got so he's got an awesome record. He's got some awesome wins. He's yep. won belts all over the world, and this is this is a legit fighter. So I would love to see him go up against either Conor McGregor or Nate Diaz. It'd be either one would be fun to watch. And Nate, and like we said, Eddie Alvarez, he's a scrappy dude. Yeah, that would be a great fight. I would definitely tune in for that. I would like to see him fight either one of those guys. But the situation with him is you got a guy in Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov who is the legit number one contender, and then you got you got some sharks in that division like Tony Ferguson. You got some sharks in that division. That, that, that's the most exciting division in my opinion right now. And then you got uh, oh Dos, he's fighting Rafael dos Santos. He is. Yeah, Tony okay. Tony Ferguson fighting Rafael dos Santos, I believe. Very exciting division you got going on here, and uh, Eddie Alvarez is, is doing the right thing. He's doing a media tour. He's talking some trash. It, he said about Conor McGregor, 
how can I take this guy seriously when he gets his suits made at Build-A-Bear? <laughs> so I, thought, I thought that was hilarious. And then he, he's, he's playing it smart. He's, he's talking trash about both guys. He said Nate Diaz is a sweet guy. He used to carry his luggage for him, and he used to tip him with an autograph. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, uh, I would definitely like to see that. I would... I don't know what Connor's doing at 170 pounds. I think it's to protect his legacy. So if he loses, he can say, well, you know, it's not my weight class. But, you know, it's not Nate Diaz's weight class either. So it's a little bit ridiculous. These guys are basically going to be fighting at the weight they walk around at. But I would like to see Connor at 155 after this. I think 145, he, he gets too depleted when he's cutting. And I, I feel like that gets too dangerous. Um, he is a big 145er, so I'd like to see him in, at 155. There's a lot of interesting matchups for him there. Yeah, see, yeah, I'd like to see him go. I actually disagree, Bill. I'd like to see him go back to 145 for two reasons. One, it's his it's his weight class, and two, it's where he's the champion. So I would listen, Bill. I'm glad he's taking these high profile fights, but he needs to go and defend his title too. He's got to prove that Jose Aldo wasn't a fluke, yeah. which I'm not saying it was, but I haven't seen him defend against Frankie Edgar or even the likes of Uriah Faber you know I, I still am not too convinced of him as being a champion yet yeah I mean he to a lot of people he does still have a lot to prove in that division but I mean I feel like he's too big to be down there um, and, and he's doing the right thing for himself financially which you can't fault a guy for but it is kind of messed up that you have guys you know waiting in line I guess Jose Aldo is now the interim champion so we'll, we'll see like who's Who's vying for that title now? You got some interesting matchups down there. Uh, Dennis Bermudez looked pretty dominant in his last performance. He called out Frankie Edgar. Wants to fight him at Madison Square Garden. That's an interesting fight to me. Um, Definitely. And uh, but we'll see. I mean, Connor's going to do whatever he wants at this point. If he wins this fight, uh, he's going to call out whoever he wants, and it's going to be for the most money. I, if he if he comes out of it fairly unscathed and wins, I see him fighting on that Madison Square Garden card which is looking a little light right now, even though a lot of people are interested in getting on it. Obviously, Chris Weidman wants on it. Yeah, he called out Luke Rockhold, uh, which I think is smart. That's the, quickest, that's the quickest way back to a title. Definitely, for um, both men. So before we get into UFC 202, though, uh, we were talking about this post-training beer that we're having. So this is a Stone Ruination IPA, which comes out of Escondido, California. So this was recommended to us by the bartender here at the Beer Spot and Grill um, because we told him we were into IPA, we were looking for something a little different. So this beer, and I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture of the kind of sifter that they serve it in on Instagram. You could follow at MMA on the rocks. Um, it's got a, it, they advertise it as orange peel and vanilla. What do you think about this beer, Jeff? Bill, I love it. It's delicious. It's smooth going down. It's something that I want to drink after I train. It's something I want to drink when I'm breaking up with my girlfriend. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for how humid it's been in the Northeast lately, this is a nice light summer beer. Um, and now when you hear the orange peel, your mind immediately thinks like a shock top or a blue yeah, moon um, or, or something like that. But the, the orange is a little more mellow. Yeah. And the vanilla, if they didn't, if the bartender didn't tell me it had the vanilla undertones, I wouldn't notice it. But you kind of you kind of get it on the back end, which is nice because it's light, refreshing, and it gives it a little bit of sweetness. Yeah, I like that everything complements everything else in this beer. Nothing is competing against each other. Yeah, so everything kind of goes together really well. Yeah, so Stone is known for their IPAs. 
uh, they're, they're doing something right out there in California. I mean, they're out there, you know, surfing and getting some sun and, and drinking some some nice light IPAs. So, and this is a trend you're noticing with the IPAs is they're getting lighter. In the past, you would typically think of an IPA as a heavier beer, higher alcohol content because they're fermented a little bit longer. So they usually have a high alcohol content and then, you know, they get a little bit heavier with the with the yeast and the hops and whatever the chemistry is behind that. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm no expert. I just drink a lot of beer. Uh, and I like this one. So Stone Ruination IPA, orange peel and vanilla. Check that out. Um, another thing I want to talk about uh, as we're looking at uh, Olympic volleyball right now on the screens here at the beer spot, which is not the worst view in the world to have. I think it looks like uh, Sweden and Germany. Yep. The Olympics, we kind of had a, a little bit of a personal tie to it this year because a guy who comes and teaches seminars at our gym, uh, a guy by the name of Travis Stevens, uh, looking pretty dominant in the men's judo. I think uh, 86 kilogram he fought at. Uh, I believe it was 81. All right, 81 kilograms, sorry. Matched up against the number one ranked guy in the world in the semifinals. Jeff, I know you and I were watching it because we were both texting each other while we were streaming it on the internet because sadly you can't watch judo on NBC uh, so NBC if you're listening let's let's get the judo uh, on the on the prime time here yeah definitely and I'm so happy for Travis he took um, like you were saying in the semifinals he fought against the top-ranked guy in judo in the world and he got him with a bow and arrow choke and it was it was beautiful to watch and that's a huge testament to Travis Stevens Jiu-Jitsu and for those of you who may or may not know Travis Stevens is also a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu so he's in grappling he's he's pretty well-rounded yeah so in judo for those who don't know the idea is to get your opponent on the ground and get him to land on his back which is pretty much an instant victory get to 100 points the other way to win is to get your opponent to tap out but there's a time limit so unlike Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu where you can get on top of a guy and kind of you know work your maneuvers and uh, try to improve your position. I think you only have, uh, what is it, 30 seconds to work from a position before they stand you back up? Yeah, some ridiculous rule like that. I think it's only 30 seconds. Yeah. I don't agree with the whole going on your back and keeping them there thing. It's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so Travis Stevens, I mean, looking dominant in that semifinal fight, and he was losing a fight because he had a yellow card against him, and the other guy looked like he was kind of trying to wait out the clock, and Travis just kept going for it, going for it, and got the submission. I mean, that fight was straight out of a movie. Yeah, yeah, and I believe there was only like 30 seconds left in the fight. I think uh, uh, 53 seconds, I believe, was left. And then he went on to the final, fought some guy from Russia. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because I'll definitely butcher it. And Travis was the aggressor in this fight. Yeah, he definitely. was going for it, going for it, and going for I'm not, and, I'm not yeah. too educated on judo to tell you the truth, but I, you could tell that that Travis was definitely the aggressor. He wasn't scoring points, but he was going for takedowns. He was going for collar tie-ups. He was going to grab the guy's gi, and the Russian guy when he would go down, he would just kind of sprawl out and turtle up and try not to get submitted. And then Travis tried to take him down, and he just got reversed at the very last second by centimeters and landed on his back. I mean, it, you know, hats off to the, to the Russian dude. He, he fought he, he fought the right way. You know, yeah. he, he waited for his opportunity and he took it. And uh, Travis came away with a silver medal, which, you know, for a guy who was not supposed to be fighting for a medal to come away with a silver medal, yeah. and the way he did it, just so gritty and so tough. I mean, the guy is a fucking animal. 
Yeah, and uh, leading up to the semifinals, he had two epons built against some top guys. He did not have an easy road to the finals. And, you know, all the credit in the world to Travis Stevens. Mm -hmm. This was his third Olympic Games. Um, his in, Can you just clarify what an epon is? Uh, I actually don't know what it is myself. <laughs> yeah, so an epon is the equivalent of like a pin in wrestling, I would say. When you throw the guy and he lands on his shoulders, both I, I think both shoulders have to touch the mat. Yeah. Um, for about 20 seconds, I think, or so something like that. For all the judicas out there, forgive us for being ignorant on this, but... Uh, we were really into this fight, and, and congrats to Travis. I mean, awesome, awesome experience for us watching it. I'm, I'm sure this is an accomplishment of a lifetime for him. His third Olympics, like you said. And, yeah, uh, and uh, in 2012, he made it to the semifinals, and he lost for bronze. Uh, so it was a big heartbreak for him. But, you know, all the credit in the world to him. Congratulations, Travis Stevens, uh, the judo silencer. Yeah, as they call him. guy doesn't give up. Yeah, uh, social media at Judo Silencer if you want to follow Travis and and keep keep dibs on his career. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's get into UFC 202 a little bit. So we kind of touched on Connor and Nate and you know the trash talking that's going on with Eddie Alvarez. Um, but before we get into breaking that fight down and and how it could go and what the potential scenarios are afterwards, let's get into the rest of the card a little bit because we do have some interesting matchups so I know uh, you got the card pulled up here so let's start with uh, Neil Magny and Lorenz Larkin so so Bill before we uh, talk too much about it this looks like it's gonna be probably a prelim card I don't think it's gonna be on the main card itself. yeah well I mean Neil Magny is a tough dude he had uh, I forget how many wins in a row at welterweight before he got um, kind of dominated by Damian Maya, which seems to be the case for anybody going against Damian Maya since he dropped down a welterweight. I mean, the guy is fighting Carlos Condit coming up. That's, oh, that's a fight I want to see. That's going to be a sick, sick fight. Yes. I, and I, dude, flip a coin on that one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but Neil Magny's been, been on a tear. Um, and I think even after his fight with Damian Maya, he, he bounced back a couple of weeks later, fought again, and, and dominated you know whoever he fought there. Uh, what else we got on this card? All right, so moving on, we have Raquel Pennington versus Elizabeth Phillips. Now, I haven't watched Raquel Pennington fight in a while, but she's a scrappy chick. She's got good uh, stand-up. She's got good hands, good footwork. Yep. So I, I think I would give this one to her. Okay. Yeah. And moving on, your boy Cody Garbron versus Takiya Mizugaki. Yeah. So, Bill, now this fight looks really interesting to me because Mizugaki, the last fight that I remember seeing him in was a mauling by Dominic Cruz. Yeah. But he's still a tough dude and a really good fighter. Yeah, Takiya Mizugaki, um, Japanese fighter, super, super tough guy. But he, he's one of those guys that kind of always gets up to the top of the division and then like you know in the big fights kind of bottoms out uh, against Dominic Cruz. I, Cody Garbrandt is, is very impressive and my concern is that they'll bring him up too quick. Yeah. Because here's a guy who's got fucking dynamite in his yeah. hands. Yeah, I mean he, he knocked out Thomas Almeida who was I think 21 or 22 and 0 and he came out and just dominated him. And the guy throws bombs, and he's got a wrestling background, so he, he's not afraid to let his hands loose and, and let everything loose because he's not worried about getting taken down. 
um, to Kei Mitsugaki to, to win this fight needs to close the distance on Cody, you know, because Cody's pretty lanky for yeah, a bantamweight, definitely. And, um, and he's able to throw those, he's able to throw some power shots from far out. So it, the, the key for Takei Mitsugaki is to close the distance, kind of keep him up against the cage, and uh, and rough him up a little bit. Yeah, and uh, like you said, Cody Garbrandt, he throws some bombs, and he's also got a cool look to him. So I feel like this guy's marketable. So, but I agree with you. I think they, uh, Team Alpha Male, uh, the team that he's with now, may try to bring him up just a little too fast. And as impressive as Cody Garbrandt is, he's already started to talk about Dominic Cruz, which we were discussing yeah. before we started recording. And I think it's a little too soon to be thinking that far ahead. Yeah, it's definitely too soon. I mean, the, the kid's a stud. He's a stud wrestler. He's, he's knocking guys out left and right. But he's calling out Dominic Cruz. I mean, you, you have a tough competitor in Takei Mitsugaki in front of you who you can't count out. Absolutely. You know, the guy's, the guy's tough as nails. You know, if you, if you can't, you know, land one of those clean shots, you, you're in for a long night with this guy. Um, but interesting fight. You know, I'm definitely tuning in for that one. L let's jump up the card a little bit. Okay, so moving on into, I believe, the main card is Rick Story versus your boy, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, big fan of Donald Cowboy Cerrone. But, you know, Rick Story is is a fucking gritty dude. Yeah, he's I mean, tough. he's a grinder. And this fight is at 170 pounds. Yes. So, Cowboy, I, I actually prefer to see him fight at 170. I know, you know, he always says 55, 70, I don't give a fuck, you know. <laughs> you know how Cowboy is. He's yeah. down for anything. Yeah. I mean, this guy is like cliff diving and scuba diving and wakeboarding with his dog. I, if you don't follow Donald Cowboy Cerrone on uh, social media, uh, you should because you're missing out on some crazy shit, whether you're an MMA fan or not. I mean, this guy is a maniac, but I like him at 170 pounds. He, he's, he's still long for that division, yeah. and, uh, you know, again, this is another case for Rick Sawyer to win this fight. He's going to have to close the distance on Cowboy. Maybe not take him to the ground because Cowboy's dangerous off his back. Yeah, I, I would say for Rick Story, he's gonna have to work his dirty boxing and, and, and close the distance on Cowboy, keep him up against the cage. But if Cowboy can stay on the outside and work his Muay Thai, or you know, if it goes to the ground, work his Jiu-Jitsu, uh, I don't see any reason that, that Cowboy doesn't come out on top in this one. Yeah, but um, speaking about this fight, I don't think it's gonna go to a finish. I think it's gonna be a decision mm -hmm. because both of these guys are so tough. And like, I, and like you said, it's to Rick Story's advantage to work his dirty boxing because Donald Cerrone, he's got awesome Muay Yep. he's got great jiu-jitsu, and I think his jiu-jitsu is a little underrated. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think we're going to see a decision here, and I, I still think it's going to be a fucking awesome fight. Oh, definitely. And, and I, I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm actually getting a little wet in the pants thinking about this card right now. Uh, and especially since we move on to what is billed right now as the co-main event, correct? Yeah, Which is so. Anthony uh, Johnson, Rumble versus Glover Teixeira. Yeah. So I mean, this light heavyweight division, which has has gone through some unfortunate circumstances, should be one of the most exciting divisions, historically one of the most exciting divisions in the history of the sport. And and you got some you've got some killers in this division and this is a really exciting fight because you have Anthony Johnson with the explosive power but he's he's a little bit of a brawler on the feet. Yeah. Glover Teixeira, very clean boxing, yeah. very legit jujitsu. 
black belt in jiu-jitsu, but I do see Glover trying to stand with Anthony Johnson. Probably try and stay on the outside, work his jab, work his boxing. Obviously, Anthony Johnson's going to try and land that big shot early because he does tend to gas, yeah. even at light heavyweight. I mean, this guy, you remember he was fighting at 170 pounds? Yeah, and that was just killing his body. Yeah. He's just not built physically for that weight loss. This, is guy, this guy's a fucking monster. I think he's struggling to make 205 right now. I mean, the guy could probably be a legitimate heavyweight contender, and the, the fact that he was fighting at 170 was insane. Yeah. And then he got away from that, and then the UFC cut him, and then he was fighting at 185, and then finally was like, oh, I have the knockout power to, you know, land bombs on guys at 205. And, and his fight with, with Daniel Cormier was great. I mean, if he didn't gas out, he was doing really well in that yeah. fight, but I think he punched himself out. Um, <clears throat> if he doesn't do that, you got a really interesting fight right here because you have a, a brawler versus a boxer, which is, you know, you always want to box a brawler, you always want to brawl the boxer. So it's a matter of, of which style is going to come out on top. Um, I see Glover trying to close the distance here too. Uh, he, he doesn't give up any reach advantage, it looks like. They're, they're both... Yeah. Um, yeah, they're about the same size. Yeah, they, these, these guys are pretty much dead even in their size. It seems like Anthony Johnson's a lot bigger, but he's not. Um, I, I see this as being a really exciting fight. I mean, it, with Anthony Johnson, there's always a chance for a quick knockout. Um, but, but with Glover Teixeira, there's always a, a chance for a quick knockout, as we saw with his last fight against Rashad Evans. Yeah, and Glover is a tough dude. I've been following this guy for a while. I'm a big fan of his. And I feel like this is a really exciting fight for both guys. But I feel like it's going to probably stay standing because Anthony Johnson has a tendency to use his wrestling in reverse because he does have some pretty decent wrestling. Yep. To, so he'll probably use his wrestling in reverse to keep it standing. Yeah, he does have some nasty ground and pound though, but uh, Glover Teixeira is one of those guys a lot of people don't know, a legitimate black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Now when I say legitimate, there are guys who are quote-unquote black belts in the UFC. We all know this, um, but, but there are very, there, there is a handful of guys who, you know, if they were to compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, you know, Damian Maia comes to mind, Nate Nick Diaz. Jacare. Yeah, Jacare. So those are, of course, um, if they were to compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, would also do well. So Glover Teixeira is one of those guys who's legitimate black belt, um, but I don't see him trying to take it to the ground. I think he's going to try and stand up. I think he feels like he can go punch for punch with Anthony Johnson, and, and I'm, I'm excited for this fight. Yeah, definitely. And real quick question, do you see this fight having any title implications? Because I believe both guys are top five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you gave the winner of this fight, I mean, who knows? Who knows if uh, the way things are going lately in the UFC, maybe Daniel Cormier is going to call out Mighty Mouse Johnson. <laughs> you know, you can't predict the way these guys are going, but I don't see any reason not to give the winner of this fight a title shot. If it's an impressive victory, so if there's a big knockout, you can't deny either one of these guys a title shot because um, because they're both you know they're both up there. Yeah, definitely. All right, so moving on, the main event yep. is the rematch. It's going to be Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor at 170. There's no title on the line. This is about pride and ego at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's almost like enough is enough about this fight. Like, what can you really say that hasn't been said? But let's kind of break it down a little bit. So there are keys to victory for both of these guys. Now, Vegas odds still have Nate as the underdog, even though he won the last fight. That's now, interesting. 
two different schools of thought that you could take on this. In the last fight, obviously, uh, Connor did very well for the first eight minutes. And he, he beat Nate up, bloodied him up, and he kind of gassed out, punched himself out. I think he thought he was going to land a big shot and knock Nate Diaz out, which you, you don't do. You don't knock out a Diaz brother. Oh, yeah, they're with, so tough, both with, of them. With one clean shot. So in the last fight, Nate came in without a camp, um, which, which I think played to his advantage because he came in, he had nothing to lose, he didn't have to cut any weight, you know, he was out partying, and the way he won was, was with his jiu-jitsu, which is second nature to him, a high-level black belt under Caesar Gracie, as we all know. So there are two schools of thought here. You can think about it as, you know, Nate won the fight because... You know, he came in with nothing to lose. He didn't have to cut weight, and Connor gassed out. And so, in the rematch, Connor could come in with better conditioning, not punch himself out, not play games, try and stay on the outside. Uh, his striking is very, very high level. He's he has good takedown defense. So, you know, and and he's been training his ass off. The other thing is, in the in the last fight, Connor said, you know, the UFC had him running around doing too much press, which is why he refused to come to a press conference and he got cut from the UFC 200 card. That being said, this fight coming up, it seems like the UFC is trying to do Nate Diaz dirty, and they've been sending him on press all over the place. I mean, yeah. he's doing Jimmy Kimmel, he's doing Conan O'Brien, but they're not sending Conor McGregor anywhere. They're letting him stay in the gym and train and do what he's got to do. So, but what are your what are your thoughts on on you know now this scenario would give the advantage to Connor? Well, looking at that and the way you explained it, it seems unfair to to Nate Diaz. But at the same time, in the last fight when he came in, he didn't have a lot of training either. I think he was well. That's kind of an understatement because I think he was training for like an Ironman or something. No, that that's kind of actually the UFC was kind of trying to promote it that way. They were saying, "Oh, Nate Diaz is training for a triathlon," and Nate Diaz is like, "No, I wasn't. I was drinking tequila in Cabo," and he like posted pictures on his Instagram of what he was doing. So that's the other school of thought. So the way this would play an advantage for Nate Diaz, he's already beaten him. Yeah. You know, obviously so mentally he's got the advantage. Obviously he has superior jiu-jitsu. Obviously is he has an iron chin as both of the Diaz brothers do, and now he's coming in with a full camp. He doesn't have to cut a lot of weight because he's a natural 155 pounder. So that obviously gives the advantage to Nate Diaz. Yeah, but I feel like Conor McGregor is hungry now. You know, he he knows what it's like to lose now, which is something he has not felt in a really long time. So guys like Conor McGregor, um, and I'll use Jose Aldo as an as an example. When Jose Aldo lost to Conor McGregor, he came back. He fought a great fight against Frankie Edgar, won his, uh, what was it, featherweight title, Yeah, I believe, interim featherweight title, but, you know, I feel like he was more focused, he looked a lot better, he didn't look nervous, so I feel like that might play to Conor McGregor's advantage in the build-up to this fight. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Conor's still the favorite, despite losing convincingly in the last fight. Now, I don't, I don't honestly know who to take in this fight, because there's, there's just too many variables. I'm excited for it. I'm kind of also excited for it to be over because, it, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this fight and it has no title implications. I mean, the winner may be fighting Eddie Alvarez. I would love to see Connor fight at 155. I would love to see Nate go back to 155. I would love to see either of these guys get a title shot at 155. But I'm kind of over this little rivalry here. So 
whoever wins, I hope it's half as exciting as the last fight. And, you know, I just want to see a good scrap. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And the problem with build, like building up a lot of trash talk into a fight is I feel like the fight ends up being a disappointment. One instance is Daniel Cormier versus John Jones. They talked so much about each other. They hated each other. Yeah. And the fight was not anything... It was pretty luck la lackluster, and yep. so I'm hoping that this fight is as exciting as the first one was. Yeah. But I think I'm gonna give this one an eight Diaz again. Okay, interesting pick. Yeah, I, I, I mean, flip a coin. I don't know. There's too many variables for me to choose here. Um, I, I think that both of these guys are gonna be elevated in the sport, regardless of the outcome of this fight. And uh, like you said, I, I'm, I'm anxious for it to be over because I, I want to talk about something else. I mean, this has been this has been occupying a lot of MMA talk. Like, what's Conor McGregor doing? What's Nate Diaz doing? And I, I love both of these guys. I love both of their styles. I love the way they fight. I love the way they talk. Um, it, you know, they're they're both two of my two of my favorite fighters just because they put on a show. So what I definitely don't want to see out of this fight is both of them being tentative. Yeah, screw that. Um, because it, it could happen. You know, they've been in there together, they were in a war, they both felt each other's power. They might get in there and feel each other out for five rounds. I mean, this fight could be a dud, despite all the talk. Yeah. And overall, I'm excited for UFC 202. I, I want to watch this entire card, top to bottom. I know we didn't talk about every single fight, but I think it's going to be great. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for this whole card. It looks really interesting. Uh, I feel like we've got some coin tosses in there, some wild cards. So, Bill, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And at a bar, at the Beer Spot and Grill yes. in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Uh, first time we've ever done this, so give us some feedback on what you think. Did you like the background noise? you like the feel of us talking at a bar? You know, we're trying to do something a little bit different. So, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're drinking, let us know at MMA on the Rocks, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, MMAontherocks.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to go grab another stone ruination IPA and maybe some food and we're going to finish watching some women's volleyball and we'll be back next Sunday as always thanks everybody bye